Hi, I'm Elisa Giraudi. I am the CEO of Orlan Inc. and the co-owner of the Kelemata Group. Hi, I'm Giuditta Rossetti and I'm the CEO and founder of Aqualai. Hi, I'm Lucrezia Del Papa and I'm the Head of Business Development of Olivella. What we love about beauty is that there is no one type of beauty and we are here to show that. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty is Your Business. I'm Denise Dente, your co-host for today, and I am here with several lovely ladies from all around the world. Hi, ladies. Hi. I'm also here with my business partner and co-host, Jessica Quick. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Denise. This is going to be a wild episode. I'm so excited to have the guests that we have today and the fact that we have four different women from different companies talking about their journey. So I am excited to jump into this. I'm excited about this conversation today because I had the opportunity to meet these ladies in New York at the Italian Trade Agency through Beauty Made in Italy. And this group got together along with the ambassador from Italy, and we all had a really, really nice roundtable discussion about leading brands that are going global that are really founded in Italy, but then coming to the United States and then around the world, and how these female leaders are really taking their companies to the next level. And then obviously, after meeting all these women and hearing their dynamic conversations, their leadership, really wanted to sit down and have this conversation about each of their brands and what they're doing to really lead their companies into the future. So I'm super excited to have you ladies on here today. And before we kick off our conversation, I'd like to start with Aliza and have you tell us just a little bit about your company. So first of all, I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. And my company, Kelemata, is a, a, a group that represents different brands. We Uh, started more than 80 years ago and we are 100% family owned. I'm a part of the family and since the beginning we really pioneered the use of natural ingredients and medical plants in beauty products. Uh, We have uh, an established business in Italy and in Europe, and we have uh, a subsidiary here in the U.S. that started in 1985. Great. So then let's move on to Lucrezia. Hi, everyone. I'm Lucrezia. I'm the head of business development for Olivella. Our brand is very new, but we have a rich history. We started in 1945. We were only in the olive oil sector. We were trading olive oil and we were refining olive oil. And this is the third generation. We started developing skincare and soaps when we were thinking about we had to find a way to optimize our olive oil refining process. 
that's when we started to uh, reuse the water and the fatty acids produced during the process. And we started with one bar soap, 100% virgin olive oil. That was the only ingredient, uh, along with, uh, obviously, salt. And now we have 36 products, and uh, we have our commercial office in the U.S. We are exporting to 16 countries, and it's great because we are shifting from one sector, which was purely food, to skincare. And I'm very proud to say we're making great process. And Judita, tell us a little bit about your company. Hi, everyone. I'm Judita, and uh, thank you for having me today in this podcast. Uh, Aqualai is a sunscreen brand, a clean sunscreen brand, which has been created uh, with the aim of respecting uh, the oceans. So for being ocean friendly, that's why it's 100% mineral. It's safe both for the skin and for the planet because uh, when I recently discovered that there was a sad phenomenon of uh, coral bleaching, I decided to create something in order to, to fight this phenomenon, especially an Italian brand because we didn't have something like this in the Italian market. So I decided to create this brand, including uh, also the names of our magical Italian island So because the products are called uh, and Panarea, so there's an idea behind the brand to celebrate a bit of the Italian style. So now we are present, we are selling mainly online and we have some resellers in Italy and we are slowly expanding in Europe and hopefully in the US very soon. For the moment, we have three products, but we will be launching our new SPF 50 in June. So I'm very excited about this new project. Thank you, ladies. It's so nice to have each of you on the show. And you come from such different points of view, from some of you starting up your own brands to others that have really taken your brands that have been around a while and evolved them and taking them to the next level. I think what we'd love to do today is learn a little bit more about this blend between Italian culture, Italian management, Italian companies, and then coming to the U.S. And you all are real trailblazers because I just went to Cosmoprof. And when you attend the booths at Cosmoprof, you meet a lot of people. But at the end of the day, when you start meeting a lot of the management or the executive teams, you are often referred to mostly to men. And all of you are women led companies and founders. And I find that really interesting. But beyond that, your brand owners and founders and coming to the US versus Italy and curious about, you know, how you see your leadership, how you see the differences between running a company in Italy versus running a company in the US. And Lucrezia, with you, I know that it's you and your brother, I believe, that are running your company and that you have been brought into the company and educated here in the U.S. So curious how your management style and how you see things managing a business both in Italy and in the U.S. 
Yes, sure. So I moved to the U.S. when I was 18 and I lived there for almost eight years. So I know the culture very well. I went to college in New York. It's very different. I mean, everything is different. In Italy, there is a secret language in business. You have to talk through things hundred times before getting a result. In the U.S., it's way easier to do business. You don't have to do all of that talk. <laughs> But I think that having to work with my brother really helped me because we always have to find the right balance between, you know, the female point of view and the male point of view. We're both Italians and we, we have lived both in the US. So we, we know both cultures. And I think, you know, in Italy, there is always a second way to do business. Like first, uh, you have to meet the buyer, then you have to become friend with the buyer, then you have to go through a lot of talking. In the US, sometimes you find people that only talk about pricing and cost. So it's more like, how is your product going to make me more profitable? How are you going to make me money? In Italy, I think there is a bit more of uh, this old creative uh, thing like, oh, your product is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, after two years of talking, it's like, uh, am I going to get rich because I, I sell your product? But it's just after two years. I've noticed that. And being a female, I have to say it's way easier in the U.S., Although I have found myself many, many times talking to American buyers who were 60 years old, white males who had no idea what the product was or what was it for. And it was all about, can you give me that discount? And I was like, I can give it to you, but it's not going to change anything if we don't find a way to, you know, to make it look good for the customer. So if I give you my product and you put it in the back and no one noticed my product and they just buy a discount I'm losing money you are losing money we're not building a brand so yeah uh, I've found difficulties in the US as well I mean it's easier to get to know people because in Italy you have to be introduced by someone usually which is very tough if you're young and you are a woman because people don't get they don't think you're serious about business while in the US there is more acceptance I think And Elisa, is it the same for you? Because I believe you actually have distribution here in the U.S. and Italy, and you live here for a period of time as well in the U.S., correct? Yes, I moved here seven years ago. So I really had the opportunity to experience both sides. And I personally prefer to do business here because in some way it's more challenging and it's more competitive, but for a female brand company here, it's more accepted because we have a very open conversation now about women-led companies and brands. We have an open conversation regarding minorities-led companies. Many things changed in the business in our business too, in the beauty business with the Black Lives Matter. We are offering more opportunity to brands that before were a little bit, let's say, struggling. So in my opinion, the things change a lot and are still changing. And uh, this podcast is uh, an opportunity 
to speak about it and to keep the conversation open and to help other female-led brands to stand up. So in my opinion, in Italy, we are a little bit behind because of a very patriarchal society. So the women have to work probably two, three, four times what the men do just to have the same results or to be accepted by the society. So the biggest struggle here as much as in Italy, is to show that as much as you are a woman, you can do it, you can make it, and at the same time, you can uh, raise kids, you can have a family, and you can do both because you can. So here, management is more open. I really encourage the entrepreneurial approach of the people working with me, and that's more open than in Italy. <laughs> And Judita, the same for you, or do you have a slightly different point of view? I agree, especially like the differences between uh, how entrepreneurship is perceived in US and in Italy. I agree with everything, but especially with Lucrezia, what she says about being young or being a woman, because you're not taken seriously, especially in Italy. I, I don't know the US landscape. I wish I will know soon how it's like to, to do business in the US, but for what I can say in Italy, sometimes I feel like I'm not taken seriously because I am a woman, because I am young, because I am facing with someone, especially in the B2B, used to work with old school setting. So they are not very digital. They are not fast in doing things. Sometimes I need something now. I mean, today I discover I need something and I need it within, I don't know, three, four days. It's not possible. They say we need two to three weeks and, and then there's a shipping time. So it's very difficult to do business in Italy facing with small um, businesses like you because sometimes you feel stuck. That's my takeaway of, of uh, if I have to highlight something negative. Positive-wise, I can say that we are um, a beautiful country and there's a lot of potential. So I hope that one day we will be able to unlock this, uh, this huge potential that we have. We absolutely agree. I know Denise will, I think you actually just got off a plane from Italy. At any given time, if I don't know where Denise is, my assumption is she's in Italy because it's her favorite place on the planet. So it is, it's a beautiful country. It's got a ton of potential. What I'd love to know with all of your expertise is... Can you tell us a little bit about the Italian consumer of beauty? What are they buying? What are the trends right now that you're seeing in Italy? What I have seen is that I feel that we are a bit behind other countries uh, within Europe. I'm saying like UK or France, which are a bit more, I wouldn't say interested, but, you know, updated about trends. I feel that in Italy, we are still, I talk about the young audience, which is uh, my main customers, which is um, female and within uh, 22 and 40 years old. This is uh, Aqualai's main uh, audience. And I can say that within this target, a lot of people are purchasing brands from uh, public persons like celebrities or so there's a trend in Italy of people purchasing products for someone that is famous and is because this person is famous and is admired from people they are purchasing the products maybe unfortunately without doing a research about what are the ingredients what is the mission of the brand it's like to nowadays 
the ladies will agree with me, there's a bit of, you know, greenwashing, everything is clean, but then, especially in sunscreen, you need to check the inchi and see if it's really, you know, clean. So... Um, the trends are this, but I'm seeing a shift uh, through clean beauty. So I hope that uh, in the next years, uh, Italy will be as aligned with other countries, uh, which are, you know, more uh, updated. And I believe a couple of you also are using some of the ingredients that you're growing. And you mentioned that kind of in your intro. So I think it was Elisa and Lucrezia, you were talking about growing some of the ingredients and so forth. So how does that work? We recently made very big investment in organic agriculture. We are planting half a million olive trees in central Italy, which is the largest organic olive grove of Italy. We did have some olive trees, not this many. <laughs> and obviously, we are going towards an integrated supply chain. We think it's very important to know where your supply is coming from. For instance, our soaps, uh, we only use olive oil from our factory. But most of the soaps that you buy at the supermarket are made with palm oil. Sometimes you see olive oil soaps that have these beautiful olives uh, on the labels and then you read the ingredient list and the first ingredient uh, sodium uh, palmitate which is uh, palm oil so you're not buying an olive oil soap you're buying a palm oil soap but no one would write that on the label Obviously, there are ethically sourced palm oil you know, suppliers, which is great, but most of them are not. To go back to what Judita was saying, it's true that we see many celebrities launching new brands, and sometimes they use certain ingredients to get the attention of the customers. So we, we're seeing many celebrities using, I don't know, olive oil, or honey or other you know ingredients to align their persona with these pure ingredients and then you read the ingredient list there is nothing in it it's like maybe one percent i come from the food industry so if you have to sell extra virgin olive oil you cannot put sunflower in it so for me it was a shock seeing so many skincare companies so many cosmetics companies producing olive oil soaps with the label olive oil soap and then it's 99% palm oil. But I think the customer, and this is another big trend, is looking for transparency because they are more informed, they can Google everything. So I think that's another big trend in Italy and in the US as well. They want brands that are honest and that they do what they're saying they're doing. Good. And then I know, Elisa, you have done your distribution strategy a little different here in the U.S., and you are actually in St. Petersburg. Tell us a little bit about what your distribution strategy is. So we have a very, very strong business with our brand Perlier, that is a Italian traditional bath and body brand. Uh, we have distribution at HSN, Home Shopping Network. So... TV distribution is completely different than any other retailer. And it's probably something that is starting now in Italy, but it's still very behind. Here, it's a huge, huge market and a huge business. We invest now online and on the digital platforms, but still 
let's say that 70% of our investment are on the TV because this is our main distribution channel and uh, our main client. The other brand that I distribute in the United States is Orlan, that is a luxury upscale brand. It's a traditional French perfumery brand. And we are at Nima Marcus, Birdorf Goodman, Cosbar. So it's different. We don't really invest uh, online on, on the social media. We are an heritage brand, very niche. So we focus more on uh, maybe PR and, and our clients that are probably not such a younger customer. So probably more traditional in the way they shop. And I know that we talked a little bit about this when we were all together in New York about supporting kind of this next generation. And I think, Judita, you talked about being a young entrepreneur. Where do you see sort of that going? And how do you think the younger generation of entrepreneurs coming into beauty can really benefit by some of the groundbreaking things that you're doing with bringing your products to international markets or expanding within Europe? Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm very positive about this because I'm seeing a lot of Italian creators raising on TikTok, for instance, and they are creating a, a really strong audience that are trusting them and then starting from this, creating their brand. So I think that now more than before, young audiences are more lucky than us because they have the opportunity of using this leverage on uh, these uh, communication tools that we didn't have uh, when uh, we were at the age. For instance, now I am working with an intern from university and I'm training her about uh, uh, 360 degrees of entrepreneurship. So any kind of activity that I'm doing daily, I'm trying to teach her in order that one day she told me, for instance, that she wanted to start up something her own. So she is very proud of being uh, learning a lot of how to start from scratch something and being alone because I started everything alone. Uh, maybe I didn't mention this. And when you're building something alone and you, it's even harder because you don't have someone to talk to and to, you know, um, exchange uh, thoughts and uh, opinions. So it's even harder. So to repeat what I said at the beginning, I'm very positive about next generation. I love that you have an intern and that you're using this ability with your company to continue to move forward where you want to see Italy get to as far as entrepreneurship and women leadership. On that, if people listening to the show today wanted to reach out to each of you, I would love to be able to share with them where they could contact you, whether it be LinkedIn or your email. We can start with Elisa, if you could share where people could reach out and contact you. Probably the best is Instagram. My account is eli.gir. And Judita? Yeah, for me, the same. I handle personally for, by choice to um, the communication on a social media platform. So you can contact me directly at Aqualai, which is our official uh, account on Instagram. And I will uh, be pleased to answer to any kind of question directly. Same for me. You can reach out uh, um, on Instagram. I manage the account Olivella Line. 
Olibella line. It's all together. Fantastic. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. It was a really interesting dive into not only your brands, but also the culture and the differences with Italy and the U.S. And I appreciate your time so much. Thank you all. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.